Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Essan Balagamwala, a radiation oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic. He's here today to talk to us about stereotactic body radiation therapy, or SBRT, for oligometastatic disease. So welcome, Essan. Thank you, Dale. It's an honor to be here, um, and I'm very excited to talk about this exciting space of SBRT and oligometastatic disease. Excellent. So maybe just to start, uh, tell me a little bit about your role here at Cleveland Clinic. What do you, what do, you do? What do you see? Absolutely. So um, I've been at the clinic for uh, over 10 years, starting here as a medical student uh, and doing residency here as well. And now I'm on uh, faculty. Um, my primary role is uh, at the intersection of uh, gastrointestinal tumors, uh, spine tumors, as well as SBRT in, in delivering uh, specialized radiation to, uh, to patients with GI and spine tumors. Excellent. Just so everyone uh, kind of knows what we're talking about and we have a, a diverse group of people perhaps listening in. Let's define a couple of terms. What is SBRT and what do you mean by oligometastatic? Absolutely. So these are two very important uh, uh, terms. So um, I'll start with SBRT because it's a radiation uh, technique and we'll delve deeper into oligometastasis as well. So SBRT is a, uh, is a form of highly advanced, um, uh, precise radiotherapy technique to target tumors in a very short period of time. Um, it was initially developed as a non-invasive uh, method of delivering radiation uh, for brain metastasis patients, um, uh, most commonly known as gamma knife radiosurgery. And as uh, the technology has advanced over the last 20 to 30 years, we have been able to deliver ablative radiation to uh, tumors across, uh, across the disease spectrum, all the way from head and neck tumors to lung tumors to liver tumors and uh, now bony tumors. Uh, it used to be that, you know, with radiation, conventional radiation, we would treat patients over the course of 20 to 30 treatments over the course of five to six weeks. Um, but with SBRT, we can deliver um, ablative doses of radiation uh, in uh, as little as one dose of radiation up to five treatments. In terms of oligometastases, actually, uh, that was initially described almost 100 years ago, and it wasn't called as such. Um, but more recently, um, it was described in the 90s and labeled oligometastases. It's, it's, it's a spectrum, it's a, really a spectrum of, of, of disease in patients as systemic therapy has advanced. Um, we're seeing more and more of uh, patients with oligometastases where it's defined um, as less than, typically less than five extra um, uh, lesions outside of the primary tumor. And that definition is very gray. Some uh, studies define it as less than three tumors, uh, metastases uh, and up to even 10 metastases is some of the more recent studies evaluating treatments uh, in these patients. Um, and the whole um, cornerstone of oligometastasis is there is a thought that patients with limited metastases are potentially curable. Um, and uh, as you're the director of the sarcoma program, you know this very well um, as sarcoma is one of those uh, diseases in which oligometastases uh, were initially described in, and renal cell is another paradigm. And in GI tumors, um, uh, colorectal metastases to the liver has been one of those uh, uh, great triumphs in medicine as well. 
um, where up to 30% of patients with limited liver metastases uh, can have a long-term survival or potentially cure. Uh, so it's a very exciting space and we're pushing the boundaries of what is uh, considered oligometastases. So let's run with that. How, how are we pushing the boundaries? What are the things that we're sort of leading the charge to make better? So with uh, oligometastases, uh, some of the early trials included only one, say, lung metastasis, right, from sarcoma or uh, renal cell. And the most recent trials um, run out of Canada, Comet trial, um, actually looked at patients with one to five metastases. And it was a smaller phase two randomized trial, and that actually showed a survival benefit um, in, in those patients. And that was including primary diseases all uh, across the spectrum including prostate cancers, liver cancers, uh, kidney cancers, lung cancer. Um, and so the current trials that are enrolling um, are not only looking at lesions that are more than five, so four to 10 lesions, um, and seeing if we can alter the natural history of disease with uh, advancing uh, systemic therapies, including immunotherapy uh, as well. Now just, uh, I guess we've, uh, we've been having discussion here about the number of tumors. What about size? How does size play into the uh, ability to get SBRT? Yeah, so it used to be, you know, size uh, was an important thing when we first were learning about SBRT, um, that size was a big criteria. It was like, hey, if the tumor is over three or over five centimeters, SBRT is not possible. But with advancing radiation delivery and targeting, we're learning that, you know, tumors up to seven or eight centimeters can also be effectively ablated. Um, in a very uh, non-invasive manner. And, and that requires uh, uh, certainly a lot of expertise, and it's not only clinical expertise, um, and it'll be an important point to make here, um, is that when we deliver SBRT, um, certainly a multidisciplinary team is important, you know, surgeons, medical oncologists, and radiation oncologists, and expertise uh, in those departments, but also uh, something that happens on the background of radiation oncology, um, and they're extremely crucial. So we have PhD-level physicists that help uh, with the SBRT program, dedicated machines um, that actually have dedicated therapists um, that help with the delivery of the SBRT. Um, and so it's, it's really a multidisciplinary team effort, even within radiation oncology, to deliver such precise ablative uh, doses um, because it is higher risk. Uh, and so having that excellent team uh, uh, is crucial um, in delivering this uh, treatment very safely and very effectively. So what sort of tumors have this become standard of care? So it, uh, SBRT, um, uh, over the years, uh, as I said, it started in the brain known as radiosurgery. Um, and since then, for lung tumors, it's become a standard of care. Uh, for some liver tumors, it has become standard of care. Um, there is emerging data and primary treatment of renal cell cancers as well, um, uh, prostate cancers. Uh, and bone metastases. Um, and so we're a huge center um, where we do a lot of spine SBRT as well as bone SBRT as well. And so in, in the setting of spine, uh, there's emerging data showing that the pain control with spine SBRT uh, is significantly better um, as well as local control. Um, and so the applications are varied, but nonetheless effective across the board. What are some of the other advantages of SBRT in terms of, for instance, toxicity or time spent getting treatment, things like that? Absolutely. So there's several advantages uh, of SBRT over conventional radiotherapy. Granted, the patient and their tumor is amenable to SBRT. Um, certainly convenience, like you mentioned, um, instead of being on treatment for six or seven weeks, the patient's typically on treatment for a week, week and a half. 
Um, and so the treatment time is significantly shortened. Um, there's also a lot of data showing higher efficacy and better local control with SBRT because with SBRT, we're able to deliver ablative doses of radiation. And so the local control, for instance, in lung tumors can approach over 90%, um, which is very encouraging. And um, SBRT allows us to treat multiple uh, lesions um, at the same time. Um, and with advanced immobilization techniques uh, and very precise planning techniques, uh, uh, the toxicity profile is also much more favorable with reduced risk for toxicities such as radiation pneumonitis or radiation hepatitis or esophagitis. And so we see a lot less of those toxicities with SBRT as well, with the primary side effect um, being fatigue, um, which patients recover from very quickly. What sort of trials are going on right now that you find interesting in terms of moving the uh, field forward? Um, I'll start off by mentioning one of our in-house trials, um, which is an IIT uh, funded in spine radiosurgery, um, where we're looking at single treatment for spine uh, metastases versus two treatments for spine metastasis. Uh, and, th and that's a really exciting trial, um, as uh, some data has shown that single fraction um, uh, may be slightly inferior in terms of pain control compared to two fractions of spine radiosurgery. Um, so that's, that's really exciting. And there's a lot of studies going on both within the United States as well as in Canada, looking at multiple lesions and trying to define uh, how many lesions are going to be uh, amenable to SBRT for oligometastasis. Um, and there's um, several trials uh, soon to come at Cleveland Clinic as well, hopefully uh, incorporating SBRT and immunotherapy um, across a variety of disease sites. Um, there is uh, a, a lot of interest, especially in diseases like melanoma, where uh, immunotherapy is extremely active and whether doing SBRT to uh, metastases will generate an abscopal effect as well. And so that, that's a really exciting space. Um, and we'll hear a lot more about that over the next few years. So there's certainly a lot of interest in this uh, abscopal effect. Maybe you can uh, fill the uh, the listeners in on what that's all about. Yeah, so that's a really, you know, that's again, one of those effects that, that has been described many years ago, um, but gaining uh, a lot of more interest more recently with immunotherapy. The simplest way, I guess, I would uh, describe it as is if, if the patient has, say, 10 metastases um, and we use radiation um, in conjunction with immunotherapy for one of those metastases, what we would notice on future scans is that those other nine metastases also shrink. And, and that, that's very favorable um, uh, because you're priming the immune system uh, to fight the rest of the metastases and leveraging the advances that immunotherapy ha have brought um, and adding a very cost-effective way of um, uh, treating these patients and uh, potentially getting a, um, uh, uh, an improvement not only in, in local control, but also potentially disease-free survival and overall survival. Are there currently any tumors that we cannot use SBRT? And I guess I ask that thinking either histologies or location of tumors. Yeah, so SBRT is really, um, the histologies are, are varied. And for the most part, I, I don't use histology as a exclusion criteria for SBRT. Um, certainly, location is an important one. If it, you know, if the tumor is very close to, uh, say, the esophagus, um, then SBRT, uh, at least in five treatments, is is uh, um, higher risk. Um, having said that, we can still deliver ablative radiation to those tumors. Um, it might just take a few extra days. So instead of five treatments, it might be eight treatments um, or ten treatments. 
Uh, and certainly the pattern of spread is also important. Um, so the classic example where SBRT would be inappropriately utilized would be, say, a stage three lung cancer, where you want to, as a radiation oncologist, treat involved nodes in the mediastinum. And you can't do that effectively with SBRT. Um, and so in the metastatic setting, um, uh, if, if the tumor is close to luminal organs, uh, such as abdominal tumors close to bowel, that uh, is more challenging. Having said that, more recently, we've had uh, a lot of interest in kind of pushing that envelope as well. And so our ability to treat such as pancreatic metastases or primary pancreas cancers, which are very close to the duodenum, we're able to deliver ablative doses with uh, advanced planning and immobilization. One of the things that I've uh, started using more recently um, is a breath hold uh, a device um, that actually freezes the motion of the tumor, allowing us to deliver ablative radiation more accurately um, and minimizing toxicity that way as well. So you mentioned before, certainly this whole concept of SBRT has been around for a while. You also mentioned that um, a lot of this has to do with to effectively do it. A lot of it depends on the equipment and the physicists and things like that. So um, how widespread is use of SBRT in community settings, for instance? SBRT is becoming more and more widespread and adopted. A lot of places feel very comfortable doing lung SBRT because that's been around uh, the longest. As the disease sites kind of progress to abdominal or spine SBRT, fewer and fewer places are doing it. Um, having said that, I think even though more places are doing lung SBRT, um, the expertise is still necessary because there is a risk for toxicity and advanced planning, um, as I mentioned, uh, is very important. Uh, and it's not just the physician uh, that's involved here. It's the whole team that really matters. So in many cases, unless it's a pretty routine case, you're recommending people should probably seek out an academic center to get their treatment. Right. And, you know, uh, um, academic center or uh, a place of excellence where they have done a, a lot of SBRT and they've reported on their outcomes as well. And so I think that's, that's key is, you know, places that are doing SBRT ought to report outcomes um, in terms of local control as well as toxicity. Uh, and we have been uh, very proactive uh, in that setting. Um, all of our uh, patients that are treated with SBRT go into a institutional database, um, and we are constantly uh, reviewing that um, and learning from our experience and reporting that at national conferences, manuscripts uh, as well. Excellent. So what are the biggest gaps? How do we make that, that leap? You talked about changes in size of lesions, things like that. What, uh, what do you think is, is the gap beyond that? Where, where, do we, where do we go? I think we need to understand biology uh, first and foremost, uh, because the number of lesions is important, certainly, um, but understanding the biology of tumors is, is crucial. We all have had patients who have only one metastasis, we treat them, and then the, their three-month scan, the whole body is riddled with metastases. Um, and that biology is very different from that sarcoma lung or a rectal cancer liver metastasis where you do a wedge resection of the lung or SBRT, um, wedge resection of the liver or SBRT, and that patient is around 10 years later. And so I think as we understand um, the biology better, we will be able to better leverage SBRT and other local metastatectomy, for instance, to improve upon outcomes. And so I think that will be the next big frontier in the treatment of oligometastasis. The other thing um, that's really exciting is biological imaging. Um, as, as that develops uh, better, 
Um, and we have, uh, you know, for instance, PSMA was recently approved for prostate cancer uh, uh, staging. Uh, I think that that will uh, improve our ability to detect uh, really small lesions that if we were to ablate, wouldn't seed um, other metastases. And so as we get better at imaging, get a better understanding of biology of the tumors, um, we can really make a, a huge impact on, uh, on these patients with early metastases. What else should we know? I think, you know, uh, from SBRT perspective, uh, experience and expertise matters, and a multidisciplinary evaluation of these patients is extremely crucial. So if a patient comes to me, uh, I'm actually seeing a patient from Colorado coming up for lung metastases, and when I, when I do that, I actually set them up with a surgeon as well. Um, the patient needs to hear uh, about the different modalities that we can use to treat oligometastases and make a collaborative decision. So I think that's what I love about my job here at the Cleveland Clinic is I get to work in a very multidisciplinary manner, working with surgeons, uh, medical oncologists, my partners in radiation oncology, and come up with a coherent overall treatment paradigm. Um, and I think that's crucial, especially in a, in a realm in, in which we are rapidly learning when it is appropriate to treat, when it is not appropriate to treat. And so that's what I would kind of recommend patients uh, look for is a multidisciplinary team wherever they, they might end up. Um, but a multidisciplinary team is extremely crucial. We've provided some great uh, insight for us here today. Um, if anyone listening would like to refer a patient for consideration for SBRT, they can call 216-444-5571. That would be 216-444-5571. Thank you again for being with us today. Thank you, Dale. This was an honor. I appreciate it. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash canceradvancespodcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our ConsultQD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org slash cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.